Father, this morning we come to you. As we come to the ministry of your word, Lord, we need that anointing, all of us. I need it to speak. We need it to hear. And we need to believe that the anointing will flow into our lives. There is one thing that breaks the yoke. It is your anointing. Even your son, the very son of God, when he came in the flesh and walked on this earth, leaned and depended upon the anointing. For he said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Yes, Lord. To preach, to set the captives free. Yes, Lord. Only the anointing can work. Come, spirit of God. Take over, Lord. This is your house. We are your children. And you are the Lord. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Matthew 21, 22, that's not the text or the passage, but we'll begin from there. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. There's one word Jesus focused on when speaking to people was on the word called believe. Believe. See, we can do everything else, but if we don't believe, it's all a waste of time and energy. We have to believe. But God says, we have to believe. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, the same God says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, he'll say earlier, have faith in God. Okay, so we are not talking about believing in anything, believing in God and what he has spoken to us. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Okay? Don't misunderstand it like some preachers will say that we can believe for all things. No. The things which God has spoken to you can believe for all those things, whatever it is. That's what it means. Not that I go, I am going to believe for all things. No, I am not. I am believing in the things which God has spoken to me and I believe it will come to pass. The only thing that can stop it from coming to pass is my unbelief. Nothing else can stop it. That's the only thing. You would never ever think in your wildest dream a 17 year old young Hebrew boy living in the plains of Canaan gets two dreams and it comes to pass because he never lets go of that dream. He did not even understand what it would mean fully but he believed one day I will reign and it comes to pass. And the word of God says the word of God tested him. Tested him. Have you left, lost your dream? Have you forgotten what I told you? Are you holding on to it? Are you believing? Are you walking in it? That's the key. God has spoken to you something. And when God speaks to you, even today during this service, to different people, different things, maybe one person, maybe this scripture, next person, it could be something. But listen, not to me, listen to me, but listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that will speak to you as the word of God is being ministered because that's where your deliverance, your breakthrough lies. Because the goal of every preacher in preaching and teaching is to bring you to the point where you can say, I believe. I believe. See, I haven't saved anybody till today. I haven't healed anybody till today. I haven't delivered anybody till today, but God has. No preacher has healed anybody or delivered anybody or saved anybody, but God has through them. Okay? So, the key is that, do you believe? 
Bible says, all things are possible. In God's dictionary, there is no word called impossible. In his dictionary, it's only one thing. It is impossible for God to sin. It is impossible for God to lie. You know? Okay. Those are impossibilities. He won't do that. But when he says something, it will come to pass. And the entire Bible or the gospel is built in our lives on that single word. Do you believe? In Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, when Jesus begins his ministry saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. You can repent as much as you want. You can be as sanctified as Santa Claus. But if you don't believe, you will just remain, remain a clause. Okay? If you don't believe, it is irrelevant what else you do. Whatever you do may be the best thing. But if you don't believe, repentance is good. But it is of no effect without believing. Repent and believe. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. Look at that verses. Go into the whole world, preach the gospel to every creature, he who believes and baptize. You can get baptized by the greatest anointed man on planet earth, but if you don't believe, it is pointless. You have to believe. If you repent without believing, you are not saved. If you get baptized without believing, you are not saved. You have to repent, believe, Repent and get baptized. Believing is that thing that holds it all together in our lives. And he who believes is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe, that means even if he repents and baptizes, if he does not believe what God has spoken, what God has done, what God is doing, God says, you're condemned already because you have not believed in God. In verse 17, when he talks about these incredible things, he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Whatever sign you are looking for, in his name there is power. But these signs will follow only those who believe. So after reading the whole Bible, devotedly doing your devotions, if you don't believe, it's just a good exercise. Hebrews 11, 6 says, faith actually means to believe. Okay? You may leave God. It is, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Anybody who comes to God must believe that He is. Okay? And all latecomers to church believe that He is on time. He is on time. Okay? Everyone, no excuse. You have to make that effort. I know you have little babies and all irrelevant. We all had babies. That's not an excuse. Unless something that happens which is beyond your control. Because you know what? Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. And he rewards only those who believe. He does not reward those who don't believe. You have to believe. It is impossible to please God without believing. <laughs> See, if you believe, everything else is taken out of the picture. You may be the worst criminal in the whole world, but if you believe in Jesus, all your crime is taken out. Abraham was considered righteous simply because he believed. 
That's all. You do not understand the power of believing. What happens when you believe what God does. He's got his, his whole eyes. His eyes are over the, across the whole world looking for anybody who believes in him. Because he wants to show himself strong towards those who believe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, after the first four words describing all the experiences they went through, and the Bible says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. Why? Because they didn't believe. You can go through every experience, divine experiences, but if you don't believe, you don't believe. You, you experienced a sign, but you did not believe in the God behind that sign. You will still die. The bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So God has not changed. Okay, God has not changed. So believe, even today believe. You know why? Last evening, uh, last morning, yesterday morning, we had the Saturday service. We had the message on the four aspects of grace. And I said today you will hear the fifth aspect of grace. But I put a rider that is between last night and this morning it could change because I am not the boss there is a boss I have to listen and it changed so if he changes between last yesterday to today believe he doesn't change a message unless he's looking for somebody who will believe and receive what he has for you today okay so believe of a faith A walk with God. Our faith is built one block at a time. One brick at a time. Everything that you and I hear from God, read and hear, has to be mixed with faith. The magic ingredient is faith. That I believe, Lord. I read. I believe. I read. I believe. No, when I was coming on the way, I was listening to a message. And in that message, I heard one line. And I went back and searched for that one line. Boy, that spoke to me. Okay. And then I went, stopped listening to that message and went to another man who preached on that message 400 years ago. And it spoke to me even more. All this within the last 10 minutes before reaching the church. You know what it is? Absalom is waiting to miss, visit the, meet the king. The king is not giving him any chance. And the only way he can reach through is through Job. So he tells his servants, Job's barley fields are next to mine. Put it on fire. Burn it. And because it burned, Job comes to meet him and he gets to meet the king. And man of God says, you know, forget the intent of of Absalom, but listen to the message. Sometimes God will burn your barley fields to get his attention. And I said, whoo! Lord, you spoke to me again this morning on the way. You know, if his whisper and his trumpet and all the things that happen in your life is not getting his attention and you are his child, he says, I will burn your barley field until I get your attention because you are mine. Okay? So, some of you people, a fire need to be set underneath your seat before God can get your attention. So next Sunday, if you see a cylinder here, <laughs> do not be surprised. Okay? Because, honestly, I mean, think about it. What 
awesome God. Every minute of the day, he's trying to catch our attention because he loves us too much. And he's got all the power in the world to change our situations. And all it takes to connect to that power source is one thing. Will you hear me? Will you believe? Will you just bring faith and connect? It's all you're looking for. That's why when you come to the church, house of God, do not be distracted. It doesn't matter. (coughs) Excuse me. How many problems you have in life. Sleep well on Saturdays. Be relaxed. Worship your way through. Come on a Sunday morning, especially Sunday morning, and listen. God will speak to you. In Hebrews 4, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. That magic ingredient was missing. They didn't believe. You know what it means when Paul says, the Holy Spirit says through Paul that the righteous shall live by faith and it is a faith unto faith. You know why? If you are in faith, you are in rest. That's the key. Come to me, I give you rest. Meaning it doesn't matter what you are going through in life. He promises you rest in the middle of it. If you are restless, that means you are outside faith. You have moved into sight. That's why I always say, check rest. That is the peace that the world cannot give you. It's a contradiction. In this world, you shall have tribulation. But I give you rest. I give you peace. It's a contradiction. You will have tribulation. But I give you perfect peace. I give you rest. What is, if you are at rest, what does it mean? Faith has worked. Grace has come in. That's what Romans 5, 2 will say. By faith we have entered into this grace in which we stand. If you are standing in grace, you are at rest. If you are at, you, you, your problems won't trouble you. I'm not saying it goes away. It doesn't have to go away. Understand that. That is the key. Right? If you look at verse 3. For who, we who have believed. Again, the word believe comes. We who have believed enter that rest. That's why it is so important. A lot of people, a lot of young people. Maximum of you unmarried, without jobs, studying. Put your hands, all who have no jobs and unmarried. Look at it. All, most of you. So you don't know what your future holds, but you can be absolutely at rest. By hearing from God and doing, you know what you need to do. At rest. My future is in his hands. So do you believe? Is the question. Will you obey what you have heard? Then the impossible becomes possible. You see, um, Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, said two things which are important. First thing is when the angel appeared to her and told her something she did not understand, but she believed. Let it be unto me according to your word. She didn't understand. You don't have to understand what God says. You just need to believe. Please don't confuse this. Sometimes we think, I can't believe because I don't understand. Do you think Joseph understood his dreams? Until he was suddenly plucked out of the prison, brought before the Pharaoh. He still didn't understand. But when the Pharaoh said, there is no one like him, he shall be second to me. and Then he understood his dream. 
That's the point he understood his dream. You don't have to understand. You have to believe. And if you believe, you will start understanding as the time goes by. Okay, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. God is not asking you to understand in the beginning. No, he is not. Many of the things which God tells us, we will not understand. That's not what comes in the beginning. What becomes in the beginning is belief. What do you believe? God is good. God is faithful. And he has no evil plans for his children. All his plans are good. So if he has said something, I'm just going to go do it because my daddy is good. It's like children, go brush your teeth. Why? What do we tell children when they are small? Because I said so. We don't take them to a dentist chair, sit over there, a dentist, explain to this child with, ah, just do it. Why? I said so. I know what's good for your teeth. You don't know what's good for your teeth. But I know what's good for your teeth. So you just believe me and obey. That's simple as that. That's why Jesus put a little child in the front of them and said, you should be become like this child to enter into the kingdom of God. A child doesn't understand, but it believes and obeys. At least children of those age. That century. So Mary said this, I do not understand, but I believe. Let it be unto me. And the second thing she said in John chapter 2, verse 5, was at the wedding of Kana. This is what she said. Whatever he says to you, do it. Two things, very important things Mary said. First, believe. I don't understand, but I believe. Second thing, whatever he says, do it. The doing is the proof that you believe. Intellectual faith does not save you. It is good. I believe in my mind. But if grace has to come in, you have to do it. There's something, if you listen always, there's something which God will tell you to do. God will tell you to do. There's something you will have to do. Do you believe this morning? Simple thing. Before we can even start into the message. So many people within the kingdom of God. I'm not, I'm not talking to people outside. I'm talking to people inside. Live life in constant condemnation. Because simply they do not believe that he has forgiven them. You don't need a sign. You just need what he says. If you confess he is faithful, the blood of Jesus Cleanses you of all unrighteousness. It's as simple as that. No, I have to sit in this pose, meditate, and one drop has to fall on the tip of my nose. Then I know I am forgiven. No, nothing like that happens. You just take God at his word. Lord, you said it is written. That's enough for me. I believe. You know why? Because if you don't get outside that specter of condemnation, you will never be able to move forward. A condemned man is going nowhere. You know who is a condemned man? The one who is waiting for execution. That's a condemned man. He's on death row. That's called a condemned man. If you're walking under condemnation, you are in death row. You're going nowhere. So you have to believe what he has said. We want to do the works of God. What should you do? He said just. Believe in the Son of God first. Okay? So many of us often carry our problems 
because we do not believe. Like I said, believing has an action. How do you believe? How do you believe? Because you position yourself to receive what God has for you. And if God supernaturally moves you, and even if it looks terrible, but you have done nothing wrong, you know God is positioning you to receive what he has spoken to you. Did Joseph do anything wrong to his brothers? No. But they strip him, they sell him, so he need to know he's being positioned to receive what God has. If you have done something wrong, repent, get back into, into the line. But if you haven't done anything and things are outside your hand, God is moving you, even if it looks terrible, remember, God is positioning you to receive. Because there's a position where you of faith from where you receive. Every position you don't get. There is a position of faith because it's connecting with what you have heard and believed. Remember the woman with 12 years issue of blood? You know why she got? Because she positioned herself. She pressed through the crowd and she got on her knees behind him and test us the hem of his garment. The corner of his garment where the tassels are. That's where she touched. Hebrew, they have a word, if I'm right, it is kanaf. I am not a Hebrew scholar, as Pastor Vijay is, which means the corner. The corner. That's exactly the word that is used in Malachi. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing under the corners of his wings. Tree. Son of righteousness shall rise with healing under his wings. Actually, it is the corner of the bird's wings. And that's where she touched. It came. Okay. So she positioned herself. Okay. One is on her knees. Behind him. Pressed through the crowd. That's her position to receive the power of God. And she's instantly healed. Another's position is completely different. He's at the top of the tree. Looking down to get a glimpse of Jesus. But that was his position of faith. It was faith that took him up the tree. It was faith that got her on her knees. We saw two weeks back the paralytic man and four men. The position of faith. They broke through the roof and let him down directly in front of him. So the question is, have you positioned yourself? You know he's here in our midst. We know from gospel according to Luke, the word of God is being preached. And the power of the Lord was there present to heal, to deliver, to set free. You see, especially other than every day, especially Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings, you have to position yourself spiritually to come to the house of God. Let this not be a waste of time for you. You have to position yourself spiritually. If you wake up late, don't do that. Go to bed early, wake up early, worship God, listen to the word, read your word. Position. It's, God sees all these things. Okay, that child, that one child has prepared and come to my house and I'm going to touch that child. Position yourself. You can't just casually walk into the king's presence. You prepare to come into the king's presence. I can tell it a thousand times, but until you do it, and do it consistently, 
do it consistently, God will know that you are serious, that your heart is stayed on him. Because the question is, how badly do you want it? How desperate are you? In Luke 18 and verse 3, remember that lady, the widow? Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. The Bible says she wore out that judge and he was an unjust fellow. What is one point prayer request? Justice from my adversary. I have an adversary, I want justice. I have an adversary, I want justice. One point agenda. And First Peter 5.8 says, you and I, whether we know or not, have an adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Why do we suffer loss? Because the devil is a thief. Why do certain things in our life just die? Because he is a murderer. Why are certain things destroyed? Because that is what he does. Steal, kill and destroy. He is your adversary. God says, but I don't see you like this widow coming and contending with me. I want justice from my adversary. I don't see you. She was desperate. And I see my people around the world, my elect, they are desperate. They are desperate. God says, are you desperate? God is not your adversary. Jesus is not your adversary. The Holy Spirit is not your adversary. No, they are not. They are not. They are your advocates. They are your helpers. They are there to help us through. In verse 5, Luke 18, 5, onwards, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Do you trouble God? The God of Israel neither sleeps or slumbers, so you can't trouble him. Yet today, actually, Rennie texts me saying, no devotion. I said, uh, and I text her back, thinking that I had sent and then, suddenly so when my wife woke up, I said, what happened to today's devotion? And you know, I was up by 2.30 in the morning and I forgot to send the devotion. And somebody reminded me and I still thought I had sent it. Because it had become a habit. Okay, it had become a habit. But God is, should not become a habit. It's a person. Your devotions should not become a habit. You're talking to a person. You know, devotions, that's a problem. Devotions can become a habit that you do your devotions without encountering the person behind the devotion. And God is saying that. She troubles me. The unjust. My question is, did we trouble God? Verse 6 to 8. Hear what the unjust just said. Shall not God avenge his own elect? Who is our adversary? The devil. Who blocks everything. Even if it is a simple thing, think about that. What did Daniel fast for 21 days? What did he fast for? Revelation of something he saw. And the devil will stop that also. He's not asking for a breakthrough in his life, his family, nothing. I saw something I don't understand. It, Lord, will you give me revelation? 21 days the devil was fighting to see that he doesn't get the revelation. That's your adversary. 
You are struggling with math. You are doing everything. You pray, Lord, help me. And the devil says, I will not see you understand math. I want to fight you every moment of the day. He is the most nastiest person ever. He just gets his glee from oppressing God's people. He's your adversary. And God says, you need to fight him. And I'm there for you. I'm there for you. I'm there for you. And worse, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? And verse 8. But I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. But the problem is this. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Do you really believe? When you give up, the possible becomes impossible. When you don't give up, the impossible becomes possible. Okay? So have I got it? The background? Picture set? Listen? Believe? And do what God, our God tells you to do. It may be different things to different people. So we'll go to today's text from Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Last week, two weeks back, we looked at Mark chapter 2. He entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to him, is it lawful on Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. When he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hands, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. The Pharisees went out immediately, plotted with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Another incident. Okay. Most preachers, when they go into it, they will go into the Sabbath thing, the Sabbath controversies. Jesus, if I'm right, did five or seven miracles on Sabbath. And he was really, really trying to teach them the meaning of Sabbath. Let's leave the Sabbath. We are not looking at Sabbath here. We are looking at a situation. Look at it in our own context. Right in the church, this is in the synagogue, right in the church, sat a man with a withered hand. Okay, right in the church sits a man with a withered hand and Jesus only sees him. If you are happy, you are content, you have no problems, Jesus doesn't see you. Because he said, those who are well don't need physicians, just sick who need. If you are troubled, you have problems, you have a sickness, whatever it is, Jesus sees you. He sees you. He sees you. He's only that man. The same, it's there in three Gospels. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 6, the Bible says, It happened on another Sabbath. He entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand. So you have to read. Luke, Mark will say there was a man with a withered hand. Luke will say it was his right hand. Right hand. Right? Right hand is a symbol of your strength. We saw last week when we studied about Ehud, Israel is in trouble. They are now in operation for 18 years. And God picks a man called Ehud from the tribe of Benjamin. When Jacob named Benjamin, Benjamin means son of my right hand. 
And here is a hood who in the Hebrew meaning says his right hand is withered and he's a left hand man. And Israel's deliverance comes from a hand with a withered right hand who uses his left hand. And Israel has the rest for 80 years. So here is in the synagogue sitting there with a withered right hand. Okay. Please understand this. There are many pictures in the Bible. Jacob had 12 sons. The first 10 sons were lawless because they represent the law. The law is for the lawless. So the 10 were lawless. The 11th one is Joseph. Represents Christ. He's the man through whom salvation comes into the household and the nation. Then there is a 12th one who is hidden, Benjamin. Those are the children of God, the overcomers. So all God's children are Benjaminites. Okay, we are not talking about tribe, but basically we are hidden in Benjamin. But the son of the right hand is sitting there with a withered right hand. You have been named. This is the son of my right hand. But the problem is your right hand is withered. That is not meant to be. That is not meant to be. Because if you see the picture of Benjamin, when we see him before, before Joseph, when they are, when they come to Egypt in Genesis 42 and verses 42, then the man, not 33, one second. Uh oh, I brought another wrong Bible today. It might be 43. Yeah, 43. Chapter 43, not 42. Okay? 43. They sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked in astonishment at one another. Why? Because God knows everyone. They said, how did Joseph know? They don't know it's Joseph, but God knows. And the Bible says in verse 33, he took servings to them from before them, but Benjamin's servings was five times. Five is the number of grace. Five is the number of, we are children of grace. We have been given five times the grace that is needed to overcome. But it only comes by faith. It only comes by faith. And there he is sitting in the synagogue, in the house of God, with the right hand withered. But thank God he was in the church with his deformity. And then the Lord turned up. What happens when you don't turn up in the church? When the Lord comes, you will stay deformed. Thank God he's got a withered hand. Gopi, he had a withered hand. But he was still in church. He had a disability in his life. He had a problem in his marriage. He had a problem in his home. Whatever it is, whatever you're going through, it doesn't matter what you're going through. At the appointed day, that is on Sabbath day, where was he? He was in the house of God and the Lord was there. In the presence of the Lord, there is always power to heal you. In Mark 3, 3, Jesus makes a statement. He said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Step forward. Okay. That's the last thing you want. Please remember this. 
when Jesus calls you out and he focuses on your deformity, it is never to humiliate you. It is to honor you. Satan, when he calls you out, it is to humiliate. Remember the spirit of Satan in the servant of Saul called Ziba? Is there anybody from the household of Saul to whom I can show kindness? He said, yeah, there is one called Mephisbah, but he is lame. The devil will point out your deformity to humiliate you. Point out. He'll always point out your weaknesses to say you're good for nothing. This is what he'll point out your past mistakes and everything. He'll point out all those things. God doesn't. When God tells you with your deformity to step forward, it is never to humiliate you. It is to heal you. It is to heal you. It is to honor you in the front of the people. Remember that. Know the difference between these two voices. The voice of honor and the voice of humiliation. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. He will not shame you. He will not shame you. Imagine that day when Jesus was entering into Jericho. The crowds were there. They had heard by now three and a half years is almost finishing. Everybody knows about Jesus. Streets of Jericho is packed. The crowds are moving as Jesus is moving. And there is one little short man who wants to see Jesus. But he's also a tax collector, big guy, rich tax collector. So what does he do? He climbs up the tree, hoping nobody will see him. I can take a look at him and quietly come down and go home. And what does the Bible say? Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Now nobody looks up. We all look down or look around. He looked up. So why? The only thing he's looking for, who's here desperate for me? Who believes? He looked up. Zacchaeus! That's when the crowd realized Zacchaeus. Everybody went, oh, yeah. Zacchaeus! Zacchaeus! Tax collector on the tree. I've never seen this before. Now we would think that Jesus would doing that, humiliate him. No, no. What does Jesus say? Quickly come down. Today I must stay at your house. You have the honor of me hosting me. You have the honor today of hosting me. He didn't humiliate him. You honored him. And salvation would come into that house today. So when Jesus says, step forward, what does he do? He's not there to humiliate you. He's not into the shaming business. He's in the honoring business. Always know that. Rama Mark chapter 5 and verse 30. A lady, when she touched him, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Not that tone. Okay, that was my tone. He wouldn't say like, who touched my clothes? You look at what, what verse 33 says. Yeah. The woman fearing and trembling, she was petrified. Because all she has heard for 12 years is, don't come near. Don't touch me. Stay away. Oh boy, if it had been a Pharisee. All she has known is his Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees and Levites. All they tell you is, don't touch me. Don't come near me. She was petrified. Terrified. But Jesus doesn't terrify you. He's not upset you touched him. 
how unclean, how sinful we are. He didn't call her out to humiliate her. You know what he said? The next words, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. He doesn't humiliate her. He honors her. He honors her. Mark chapter 3 and verse 3. What does he say? Come, Abigail. Keep your book there and come. You are the little one in our midst. Come. You have to hold your right hand like this and come. Not left hand, right hand. Right, right. Okay, remember it's withered. Okay? You can sit there. He said to the man, what did he say? Step forward. Now turn to Luke chapter 8. Six and verse eight. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. He took him right to the front in the middle and said, Stand here. Arise and stand here. Think about it. All your life you have been trying to hide it. Today God puts you right in the middle and let everybody see your withered hand. To humiliate you? God never humiliates his children. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will not be put to shame. We sang today, I will not be ashamed. I will not be ashamed. I will not be ashamed. He does not put you to shame. When he picks you with your deformity and puts you right in the middle and in the face of everybody, remember, It's not to dishonor you or to humiliate you. It's to clean you. It's to heal you. It's to honor you. You don't have to be ashamed. Everybody's eyes is on him. And it is his right hand. Thank you. (laughs) Noel, I also used to stand like this. I made her do all kind of monkey tricks when she was small and she's Noella 2.0. Looks also like her. <laughs> you had to see. And children hardly have faced anything. I used to make her translate for me in Assamese when she was small. First five minutes is hers. His was, he was the joker. Noella was the preacher. He had to tell the joke. She had to, and she would stand like this. Still remember standing like this. I will speak in English and she will translate in Assamese. And we didn't even know if she could speak Assamese. I was in Assam. I didn't know she could speak Assamese. She went to school. Three months later, four months later, one of our colleagues, uh, maidservant came home and they were, I was inside. Then I heard two people speaking in Assamese. I said, who else came over there? Then I look over there. The child is speaking fluently in Assamese. She had never spoken a single Assamese word in the house. And I never knew she could speak Assamese. So I said, oh, you can speak Assamese. It's good. Tomorrow onwards, come with me. <laughs> <laughs> so she reminds me. Like this she used to stand, okay? So when I brought Abigail here, it is not to humiliate her. It is to honor her. God does not humiliate his children. There he is standing there. Arise, stand there. Everybody's eyes is upon him and what is noticeable is his right hand is withered. So the question is, this morning, simply ask this question. Let the Lord speak to you. 
what is withered in your life? What is dried up? What is dried up? What is withered in your life? That to his right hand. Like I said, right hand symbolizes strength and power. Look at Luke 22 and verse 26. <clears throat> oh, not that. He shall come with the right hand of his power. How did I get it wrong? Okay, leave it alone. When Jesus comes. Okay. Right hand. Okay, is it? No, I don't think so. It's another portion. Right hand, which is a symbol of your power and your strength. Unless you are a left-hander. But most people are right hand. And right hand, Jesus is the right hand of God. He sits at the right hand of God. Right hand symbolizes power. So if your right hand is withered, that means you have no strength in your life. To battle your problems, to battle your tests, to battle your trials, whatever you are facing, you have no power, no strength to battle. Why? Because your right hand is withered. Last Sunday when Pastor Vijay was speaking about Jehu, remember the guy who came, he says, climb up onto my chariot. So how do you think it is? It's right hand. Right hand is a hand of fellowship. When your right hand is withered, you have no strength to do what God has called you to do or to do anything. You don't have fellowship. Your fellowships are broken. You don't have fellowship with God, truly genuine fellowship with God, or true genuine fellowship with man. That is the symbolism of a man standing there right in the church, sitting there right in the church for years, and his right hand is withered. He has neither strength nor fellowship. Where are you going in life then? And people die slowly because of the lack of these two. They have no strength to change their situation, and they have no fellowship. And Jesus asked a question in Luke 6 and verse 9. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Leave the rest. That is connected with that situation because they were offended of anybody doing anything on Sabbath. But ask this thing. Jesus will ask you one thing. I will ask you one thing. Listen carefully. He will speak to you even now in your spirit that one thing. He will ask you one thing. To different people he asks different things. I don't know. He knows. What is that one thing he will ask you? In Matthew 9, 27 and 28, these two men who were following him, Jesus departed from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to him, he asked them one thing, Do you believe that I can heal you? He didn't ask that to the rest of the blind men. He healed many blind men, but he never asked them this question. To others he said other things. To them he said, do you believe that I can heal you? So maybe to somebody he is asking, I know what you are going through. Your life is withered. It's going nowhere. Do you believe I can heal you? Do you believe I can heal your withered hand? Do you believe? Simple question. Do you believe? Right? John chapter 5, verse 6. This is a man, 37 years of paralysis. What does he ask him? Do you want to be made well? The first one is different. Do you believe? He looks at him and says, I know you believe. The point is not that whether you believe or not. Do you want to be well? It's the difference. The first question is, 
do you have the faith to be made well you want to be well but do you have the faith to be made well second one you have the faith to be made well but do you want to be well a lot of people lot of people they have faith they come to church regularly but they want to give leave their habits they love god they praise god they read their bible but they will not leave their bottle do you want to be delivered 40 days a year pastor <laughs> lent all those nice men i know they're good men they're all off liquor started on wednesday 40 days they should have only one message they should preach to themselves 40 days and you are no more <laughs> like john preached in nineveh Do you want to give up? It's not that you don't have faith. You have heard. You know the word. You have heard. You have prayed all that. But you're not willing. That's why you're asking this man. You got so used to it's become an addiction now for you. You like this lifestyle. You got used to this lifestyle. You find comfort in that lifestyle. Do you want to get well? Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. God may say something else. sanctify yourself for tomorrow god will do wonders among you maybe your miracle is not today your miracle is tomorrow because today you have to sanctify yourself you are not ready for a miracle today but you are ready for a miracle tomorrow but if you believe you will sanctify yourself today maybe that's what god is telling somebody else you have come expectantly and i am speaking to you the lord says you will have your miracle it's not today it's not for today it's for another day but between that day and today you have to sanctify yourself you have to position yourself you have to prepare yourself to receive your miracle and god is the god of miracles like i said it's not the same thing in joshua chapter 3 and verse 8 you shall command the priests to bear the ark of the covenant when you have come to the edge of the water of the jordan you shall stand in the jordan others will say you know you know your problem you've been running away from your problem you have been fleeing your problem it's over today now i want you to go and stand in the middle of your problem and your problem will start moving away from you all these years your problem was chasing you and you are running away from your problems it's enough now you will face it go stand in your problem take a stand stand in your problem get your feet wet get involved in your problem don't stand on the dry shore and wait for somebody to change your life no you change your life you get into your problem get your feet wet you may take a little time to see it but the minute you obey by faith i will cut off the source of your problem at adam i will cut off the source and you will experience in a little time you will experience your relief it is not the same I don't know what people are going through people online listening are going through but God knows and you have to hear what God says Mark chapter 5 verse 36 to another one it is something else as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken he said to the ruler of the synagogue do not be afraid to some he says don't be afraid don't be afraid it's absolutely new for you you're scared you heard news you're hoping for something else you are hoping for something but the news that you have heard is contrary to hope 
You were pleading for the life of your child, but you have heard is the report of her death. You are pleading for a breakthrough, but what you have heard is that it is shut down, it is closed, it is over. God says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Whatever it is, don't be afraid. Whose report will you believe? Don't be afraid. Every day we hear reports. Most of the time the reports are not good. They are bad. God says, don't be afraid. That's not the final report. The final report is from mine, from me. But will you believe? That's what we have to hear. We have to hear. If we don't hear, things will not work. And we have to keep on hearing. It's not that you heard one time and your life becomes honky-dory. No, after that we face different, different. We have to keep on hearing. John 9 and word 7. He said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back. See, to him something else was told. Completely. What did he tell him? Go to the pool called? It's interesting. Siloam itself means sent. You are blind, born blind. Now you got spit and mud on your face. That's what he did. To make this much cake of Jesus really spat and spat and spat. Okay, you can say son of God, Messiah, but at that time, spit this spit. Now we will get all those, oh, I wish he spat on my face. But this is not now. This is 2000 years ago when he's walking in flesh and they don't even know who he is. Wait a second. Here is a man blind. He's got mud and spit all over his face, all over his eyes. And he's told to go to a place called Sent. The priest about a place called There. There is a place called Sent. It's a place called Sent. That's where your miracle lies. We might be blind. We might have mud on our eyes. We may be confused and stumbling through the streets of life. But we have to go to that place called Sent. And do what he told us to do there. We'll come back with our vision. There's a place called Sent. Acts chapter 7 verse 3. He said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. This morning, I mean, I've preached on this so many times. So this morning, God showed me something. He said, you know what? I spoke to Abraham in the Ur of the Chaldeans. When I spoke to him in the Ur of Chaldeans, which is Mesopotamia, modern day Iran, I was telling him, come to the land, I will show you. When I spoke to him, I told him, I dwell in Canaan. Come to where I am, from where you are. He didn't tell him, go. He said, come. He didn't say, go. Come to where I am. Come to a land that I will show you. Come. So when you are sent, you have to go to that place where he is. That's where your healing is. That's where your miracle is. 
That's where your breakthrough is. And Hebrews 11 and verse 8 says, he is a picture of that man with a withered hand, who is the son of Abraham. The man born blind. How did Abraham go? By faith. What does it mean? You can't see with your physical eyes. Your eyes are blind. You got mud on your eyes. You got spit of the Lord on your eyes. But you are going like a blind man. Going where? Going to the place you are sent. A place called sent. He obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out. Not knowing where he was going. He was that blind man. Very, very slow, slow. Okay, that one, turn, take a turn. Slow, slow, where, where, turn, 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 turn. You're going, why? Because I was sent to a place called sent. And he said, go there and wash there. You'll get your eyesight back. And that's what we need, where the eyes of our understanding be opened. Lord, open my eyes that I might know you, see you. But it's in a place called sent. Place called sent. How desperate are we to see? Our issue is that our eyes, spiritual eyes are blinded and we don't care. Our physical eyes are wide open and we are satisfied. Today, this morning, honestly, when I was going through, I was saying, Lord, how come I missed all these things? You know, even this one, how come I didn't miss, miss it? He said, because you didn't need to know then. About Absalom's burning the barley fields. We have to go to those places called scent and our eyes will keep on opening. But because our physical eyes, carnal eyes are so wide open and we are taking in all these sights of a perishing world, we don't even realize we too, like him, was born blind. And we too, like that man, has been sitting in the house of God with our right hand withered. And he's telling us this morning, go to that place called scent. Stand up here. Come, arise and stand here. In First Kings chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, I preached that about, but most of you are in there. It was online. Get away from here and turn eastward. Hide by the brook, chariot, which flows into Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Oh, I forgot. Abel had given me the pointer. It's been in my bag and I keep forgetting. It's really the biggest pointer I ever got. I thought it was multi-purpose. I can smack people too also. Feed you there. There. There is a place called there where he takes care of you. One moment you are standing before the king of the nation. Next moment you are asked to go to an isolated place and says, I will meet you there and not here. There, I'll meet you. And there's a place called there. And in the midst of scarcity, in the midst of famine, in the midst of nothing happening, everything drying down, I will take care of you, care of you in a place called there. How does it come? It comes from hearing. And after hearing, you obey. You obey. And suddenly you realize, you know what? God was there. Where was God? At a place called there. Verse 9. Six months or seven months later, eight months later. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell 
there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. It doesn't matter if it's a widow or a bachelor. That's not the issue. There's a place called there where he will provide. And we are all over the place except there. All over the place. Except that place called there. And in that place called there, the provision comes. It doesn't matter whether it's a raven or a Samaritan widow. It doesn't matter. The issue is that it is God. God's hand can come through different means. The whole idea is it has to be God's hand. Like the man who said, how do you live brother? I live by hand to mouth. Hand to mouth? Yes, it's God's hand and my mouth. That's right. God's hand in my mouth. There's a place called there. There's a place called sent. We come back to Luke 6 and verse 8. I didn't give it. Luke 6 verse 8. And he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had a withered hand and he said, Arise and stand. Here. There's a place called sent. There's a place called there. There's a place called here. The power of the Lord is present here to heal you. There's a place called here. We have to know these places. These are spiritual places. A place called here. Why? Why is stand here? Why is this here? Why is this the place where things will happen? You know why? Because it was Sabbath. What do Jews do on Sabbath? They go to worship. You have a withered hand. You have a withered problem. Whatever it is, it dried up. Where are you? In the house of... You dragged yourself and you went. Where are you? In the synagogue. Where are you? Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week... When the disciples came together. When did the church gather? First day. You don't miss the first day of your life. Of the week. You don't do that. That is the place called here. That's a place called here. The first day of the week. Depending upon which country you live in. Muslim countries. It's Friday. Their day begins on Friday. Our day begins on Sunday. So you have to work accordingly. But the thing is that. The first day of the week. That's the place called here. And you know it's the first day of the week. The disciples gathered. Doesn't say the crowd gathered. Crowd can gather on any days. Only disciples gathered. Are you a disciple? And they came to break bread. It's a day of judgment. Am I walking in faith or am I walking in sight? Is there belief or it is unbelief? Is there faith or is there doubt? You judge yourself. I told you ultimately the only thing that matters is do you have faith or not? But faith will cancel out everything negative in your life. God will take it out. But without faith, it is impossible to do, get anything out of God. One thing it requires is faith. And there's a place called here. And that is this place. The first day of the week. In First Corinthians. Yeah. 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also on the first day of the week. See, we have services seven days a week. We don't take offering Monday to Saturday. We don't take. 
Never. Monday to Saturday, no offerings. Though we preach through the week. You know why? Because it's a day set apart to collect. First day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there are no collections when I come. Put aside, he says. It's not a random thought. Even what you are going to give is already decided. See, there's a preparation to coming to a place called here. So there is a place called sent, there's a place called there, then there is a place called here. And Luke 6 and verse 10. When he looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out. Stretch. Whatever is withered in your life, whatever has been restricted by the enemy in your life all these years, this is the day, this is the year of stretching. Stretch out. He didn't pull him by the hand. He didn't pull him by the hand. He asked him to stretch. Without hands, because God is in the business of stretching. Without hands, without minds, without lives, without marriages, God says, are you willing to stretch? Are you willing to stretch? A rubber band is no good unless you stretch it. Simple example. Everybody has got nothing behind their head. Okay. Take a hundred dollar bill. How much is it? Seven thousand four hundred rupees. Right? Take hundred hundred dollars bill. It's seven point five lakhs. You can put it together with a rubber band. See the value of the rubber band has suddenly just holding together seven point five lakh rupees. Because you know why? Because it's stretched. If God says in his word, I will give you my spirit without measure, God says stretch. Stretch. What are we stretching? What are we stretching for? What are we stretching for? What are we stretching for? We are stretching for his spirit. We are stretching for his purpose. We are stretching for his will. We are stretching for his name. We are stretching for his kingdom. Stretch, he said. He looked at them in anger. I told this man, stretch. There's a different stretching in the world. That's by the enemy. In your workplaces, sometimes in your homes, everywhere. There's the Egyptian taskmasters. They will push you and they will stress, stretch you till you are tired and broken. Click, the band breaks. That's the devil. He will push you and stretch you at your workplace. Finally, you say, you know what? Even if I don't have a job, it's okay. I want to save my life. I'm quitting. I can't handle this anymore. A lot of people write and say, should I quit? It's too much. I can't handle it. That's the devil. He stretches you. He also stretches you. He's also in the stretching business. But he stretches you to break you. God doesn't. God stretches you to honor you. God stretches you to prosper you. God stretches you to heal you. So understand these two differences. It's not the same. That's what he said in Isaiah 54 and verse 2. Right? Our promise. 
Enlarge the place of your tents. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Is he asking him to stretch his hand to dishonor him? To harm him? To heal him? To honor him? Please notice, when he is stretching you, he is with you. Suddenly there are now two groups in the Bible, in the synagogue. One whole set standing there and watching. And Jesus, the man with the withered hand. The crowd is separated. One crowd, hostile. And the Lord with a man with his problem. When you hear the word of God and when you believe and you see God, the Lord does not leave you alone. He stands with you. He's with you because he's the one who's asked you to stretch. You are not doing it on your own. He asked you to stretch. He asked you to stretch. And he's with you. He's beside you. That's why he says, even if the mother forgets a nursing baby, he says, I will not. I'm with you. I asked you to stretch, right? I am with you. He's beside you. But you stretch. You stretch. I'm with you. It's my power. It's your faith. It's my power, but your faith. You have to stretch. Think about it. This man has never. And you can hear the sound. Crick, crick, crick. Joints snapping into place. Okay? It's, God is not doing anything. It just is. Stretch your hand. And they are watching. The hand has stretched. It says it became as whole as the other one. I still remember six weeks after my broke my broke my wrist. It was in the cast, and then the cast was taken off, and I had to travel two days later. And the doctor said you have to do physiotherapy because it will take time to stretch. And I had to travel, and I had to travel to Assam, Bhutan, and all. It was in the year 2008. No, not 2008, 2006 or something. And that day I was watching a man of God preach on the TV. Recorded program. Must have been recorded four or five months. It does not matter. The word of God is always live. It doesn't matter when it was recorded. And he suddenly looked at me. I felt he was looking at me and said, there is somebody watching. He had a fall. He fractured his right hand. His cast was taken away today. The Lord says, stretch. And I just stretched my hand and traveled the next day. It was perfectly fine. Stretched out. No physiotherapy, nothing. I said, you know, God is speaking to me. I'm going to stretch out my hand. I stretched out my hand. And it's whole, still whole. Okay. So God's word is not restrained by recording and time gap and the live telecast and streaming 40 seconds delay Sammy will give you. But it doesn't matter when you hear. It is still live. It does not matter. It is the word of God. You have to believe. The only thing standing between you and your breakthrough is your faith. Do you believe? Do you believe? And he is with you. He is standing with the man against a hostile crowd. He's standing with the man. So don't worry about the people. They were mad. And he was so angry at them. 
and grieved, angry and grieved. We are not, we are angry and never grieved. That's the difference between our anger and Jesus' anger. Jesus was angry and grieved at their hardness of heart. We are just angry and take it off and by the time their head is also gone, our top also has gone. We are not grieved at all. Okay, that's the difference. Be angry and do not sin. He's angry but he's not sinning. He's grieved over the hardness of the hands. It's a hostile crowd. It does not matter. The Lord is standing with you. Don't worry about people. Genesis 37 verse 8 says, His brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. You know why? God came and told the youngest fellow, Stretch. He didn't tell the first ten. And they were mad. They were mad. They were all whole. Father is there. Mother is there. He was little withered. Only father. No mother. He's the orphan in the lot. So God came and told him, you know what? You stretch. You stretch. And they were mad. And in their madness, they sold him. They sold him. But 37, 39 and verse 2 says, the Lord was with him. Lord is with him. When you are stretching, you're still stretching. God doesn't leave you. God is not saying you have to do it in your own strength. He says, no, I am with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I am with you. In this business of stretching, because you know when you are talking about a physical stretching, it may just take a few minutes. When you are talking about a spiritual stretching, it may take years. But if you are stretching, he will never leave you. He will be beside you as you go through these situations. It's not easy to work as a slave. When your father's favorite son, that to a huge zamindar, cattle rancher, the richest guy in Canaan, and then sold as a slave. It is not easy. But he realized, you know what? God is stretching me. No father, no brothers, no moms, no servants, nothing. I'm a slave. But you know what? God is with him. And God is standing with the man. And God is standing with Joseph. You think you have to do this yourself. No, you don't have to. He is with you. In verse 21, he's thrown into prison. We know. And the Lord was with him. And Joseph is sold as a slave. The Lord sells himself as a slave with him. And Joseph is thrown into prison. God goes to prison with him. Though no chain can hold him, yet he goes. That's why we say they did not nail him to the cross. He nailed himself onto the cross. Because they said, if you are the son of God, come down. And he could have. He went into prison. So the question is, are we willing to stretch? Are you desperate? Whatever it is. Each one knows what area of your life is withered. You know what is withered. And God is here to heal you today. And wherever you are listening from, God is there with you. If you are interested. If you are desperate, not interested, <laughs> if you are desperate, then he says, come to a place called here. Come to a place called here. Come here. Leave the crowd, the hostile crowd. Don't worry about them. The skeptic crowd, the unbelieving crowd, the doubting crowd. Leave them all alone. You stand aside. 
I am absolutely sure in all the days of his life with his withered hand, he was never called to the front of the synagogue. Never. Never called. Never called. Under the law, if you have deformities, you are excluded from so many activities. But under grace, grace is calling out those with deformities. In your body, in your mind, in your life. Come to me. Come to me, he says. Come to me. Because God doesn't want you to stay there. Stay there. He wants you to make you whole. That's the whole purpose. Do you want to be made whole? Don't walk with that withered hand. Don't walk with that withered life. Don't walk without that withered home. Your withered life in your workplace, whatever it is. Is it withered? Is it dried up? There is no power nor fellowship in that area of your life. You know there is no life. This area there is life. That area there is no life. Ask the things or the places you know you ought to be, but you run away from. You ought to be. And you run away from. Those are the withered areas of your life. God says, don't run. I have come to make you whole. In Philippians chapter 3, here is a man who is, wants to stretch towards God. 3, words 12. Not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press. He says, I am stretching and I am stretching. This is a stretching that will never finish. It's towards God. People stretch in the world to achieve and then they are all they do not it is like Joe Biden at the CNN town hall how do you feel like in the White House every morning I wake up and ask Jill Jill where are we in your basement stretched through unfair means reach the top and doesn't know where you are that is the world. That's not the kingdom of God. You know exactly where you are going because you are stretching towards God. Stretching towards God. Press on. But I press on. Why? I want to lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of. Suddenly he realized, have you ever asked yourself, Lord, why did you save me? Did you ever ask this question? Okay, you're all saved. Baptized, good. Did you ever ask God, why did you save me? I know you saved me. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. I bless you. Bless the Lord of my soul. I bless you. But Lord, one question I have. Why did you save me? That's the question you're asking. You laid hold of me. For what? I know. I'm pressing towards that. That's my goal. You took hold of me for a purpose. And I'm pressing towards that. You see, we have goals and vision and targets and all in this world. Good. But God says, do you have any goal in the kingdom of God? Are you stretching towards that? Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. What do I do? Forget the things in the past. 
lot of people are stretching not forward they're stretching backward into the past they're stretching but they're not going forward they're always in the past you don't know god says i know and you're stuck there in your past god has moved forward time has moved forward but you are stuck in the past you're not going forward you're going backward and you use that is the mat you use as an excuse not to go anywhere with life are you going forward or are you going backward you cannot go forward and backward at the same time it's not possible you cannot take one step forward and two steps backwards those days when we were in the underground church we used to sing a song ek kadam aage 10 kadam pache hatne vishwasi hoina hami meaning we are not kind kind of believers who takes one step forward and 10 steps backwards we are the kind of believers kutama dikhe me are the kind of believers who keep on advancing on our knees in the midst of our tribulation that was a powerful song we used to sing in those days with the window shut everything shut one little guitar and we used to sing that song Are we, are we going forward and backward at the same time? Hmm? Think about it. Think about trying to climb an incline on a reverse gear. Where are you going? That's what he said. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Question, do we know what are things which are ahead? There are things that are ahead. Like Robert Frost's famous lines, miles to go before I sleep. Robert Frost's famous, miles and miles to go before I sleep. And when Nehru died on his table was that line, miles to miles to go before I sleep. But he slept. We don't have to sleep before we have reached our target. we can say like this man who kept on pressing pressing and finally to hold of it and is able to say in his last days i finished my race you know why because i stretched and i stretched and i stretched and i stretched and to hold of everything that god had for me i'm finishing my race in verse 14 i press toward goal for the price of the upward call of god in christ jesus upward goal you see this man is stretching what is stretching upward okay so bible is full of challenges that's why grace is given that's why power is given that's why holy spirit is given you know holy spirit is given And this one thing he said, you shall receive power. You shall receive power. So the first question, am I saved? If yes, have you received the power? Because you cannot pour new wine into old skin bags. It will burst. It will burst. I heard a pastor once say, a lady came and said, pastor, pray for my son what is he oh he is in this city and he is into drug addiction everything please pray for him to be filled with the holy spirit he said mama if i pray he will explode he needs to be saved first then filled unsaved people if they are filled with the holy spirit will just explode they cannot contain him 
In the natural man has no capacity to contain the Spirit of God. He has to be first born of the Spirit to be able to contain the Holy Spirit. So you have to be saved. But after you are saved, is the power of God available to us. And that's what we are praying for. Not just for you or me. For everyone. Everyone. I believe. I believe. The Lord tarries to come. The church is going to the greatest face it has ever seen. But for that, when you face your tests and trials, you need to be like the first century acts. If you really want to be depressed with the state of your life, the state of the church, go read the book of Acts. That's all. If this is reality, where are we? This is reality. Where are we? This is real. This is what a church is. This is what a church looks like. Yet the promise is the latter end shall be greater. As we close, Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. Under great testing and trials. No. 29 to 34. Now, Lord, look at on their threats. What is the devil trying to do? Constrict them. But God has called them to stretch themselves. The devil will always try to constrict him. That's what he was trying to do with Joseph. Every point is putting, thinking he will be constrained. Instead, God is stretching him in those places. If you think you are the boss of good slaves, suddenly you are the boss of gundas in the prison. He's stretching him. Lord, look at their threats and grant your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. What are they saying? We will not be shut up. We will not be shut down. We know what is in you. This power inside cannot be constrained. It can be only constrained by unbelief. By faith they come and Lord, stretch us in the midst of this tribulation. In the midst of this trials testing, stretch us. And how do you stretch us? By stretching out your hand. You stretch your hand, my hand will be stretched. You stretch out your hand, Lord. You stretch out your hand to heal for signs and wonders that may be done in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Why don't you believe? Your mother is sick and you come from an unbelieving family. Your mother is sick. You will say, come mama, let me pray over you. In the name of Jesus. And you say, Lord, I am standing by faith on your word. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Stretch forth your hand to do signs and wonders. Faith should arise. Your brother may be an unbeliever comes and says, you know what I am facing in my office. Nothing is happening. So you sit here. Let me pray with you. I will pray for you. And you pray, Lord, my brother needs a sign in his life that he will know you are the real God. That's how the church in the book of Acts grew. Everybody believed. First only the apostles. After that, everybody believed. That's the whole purpose. You shall be my witnesses. If God is going to pour out, he says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Young and old, they shall see visions and dreams. Lord, give me visions. Lord, give me dreams. Let me prophesy. Think about it. Why don't you believe? You're all placed in different, different places. 
think. Most of you come from non-believing families. And one of your unbelieving calls up and says, you know what I am going through? And the word of prophecy comes to you and says, thus says the Lord. This is the reason why you are going. How did you know it? My God revealed it to me. Why don't you believe? How are we going to reach this nation without his power? How are we going to reach this nation without the power to heal? With signs and wonders. Our struggle is unbelief. You have to hear the reports that come online from people who don't see us and yet believe when we pray and we preach. Six-year-old girl, seven-year-old girl, children getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying for two hours and three hours in the Spirit. And the parents, right, thinking, excited. All ten in one room getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're praying here, they get filled there. You know what? They simply listen and believe. There's no unbelief. No, that doesn't mean you need to sit at home and watch online. <laughs> what I'm saying, online should be more difficult, right? Should be more difficult. But God is constrained only by our unbelief or lack of desperation. You look at all the people Jesus healed. It was their desperation. They were desperate. And the power of God was always there. They were desperate. The very few cases where he healed, it was out of sheer compassion. Sheer compassion. The woman at Nain who lost her son, he had compassion. Mom, take your son, go home. Do you believe? Don't get so involved in the world and your worries. Get involved in the kingdom of God and say, Lord, stretch me. I am here. Wherever I am, Lord, use me. Stretch forth your hand, O Lord. To heal. Because that's the number one need of this hour. I pray, Lord, please let the gift of healing fall on anybody in the church. Because all around you see, it's a sickness, pandemic, and sick people. Heal. In these past few days, not few weeks, months, since we, this, in January alone, we have got over 150 prayer requests of families that are falling apart. And not our church we are talking about. Healing in homes. How is it going to happen? God is willing to stretch. But the people are also willing to ask God to stretch. There was a set of people who could not be constrained, whose mouth could not be shut. They said, Lord, stretch forth your hand. Stretch forth your hand. And suddenly you realize, you know what? I have a job and I have a ministry. I have a ministry. That's what Moses said. I wish everybody prophesied. I wish the spirit fell upon everybody. And here is the new covenant. God is promising. I will give my spirit to everyone. All flesh. All flesh. And you know what? The kingdom of God grows exponentially. It just stretches and stretches. You know why? Because the hand of God stretches through the hands of his people. You have to believe. I have to believe. I want the worship team up here. Where's the worship team? Peter? Oh, Peter is in Sunday school teaching? Yeah. Let the children also. Tell the children, Sunday school children, everybody to come up. I have more trust in children receiving than older people. I see that always happening. There's no... Uh, in Malayalam we say, Nishkalangamaya Vishwasam. 
ట్రాన్స్లేట్ సమీర్ నిష్కలంగం మీన్స్ వితౌట్ ఇన్నసెంట్ ఫెయిత్ దర్ ఇస్ నథింగ్ నాట్ ఇట్స్ నాట్ ఈవెన్ ప్రిటెన్స్ ఇట్స్ నథింగ్ దట్ ప్యూర్ ఫెయిత్ నిష్కలంగం విశ్వాసం there are different words in malay like our regional language khani bhavicha vishwasam which yeah khani bhavicha vishwasam mean your faith has become sight now you can feel it you can see it it has substance now it has when he stood there nothing but when he started stretching his faith was taking substance okay you have to believe the only thing that's stopping between you and your miracle your breakthrough okay it may i'm not saying it cannot happen now but it will happen if you believe as long as you're believing is what is right according to the will of god you know what's the will of god it will come to pass don't put your dream as god's will let god's will be your dream got the difference that's original don't make your dream into god's will let god's will be your dream okay it doesn't say joseph dreamed to do dreams god gave him gave him two dreams that became the will of god for him so when god gives you visions and dreams it is his will yes bring the children everybody all come and believe and next sunday onwards make real effort to be in church before time you miss worship you have missed much of it how do you enter into a king's presence and expect something unless you have worshiped him so try your best okay wherever you have to cut corners cut it for worship okay come let's stand let's worship the lord have all of our little ones come the children come i want the children all in the front come little ones all here in the front it's only one set of humans god says do not stop them from coming to me adults he didn't say that only children come 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 to the front stand here in the front the little ones yes yes come okay all of you come here yes okay yeah okay. you are a child tall child come come here come stand there we are going to worship okay okay go 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 yes peter
Oh Father, oh Father, even those who are there watching online, whatever it is they are going through, let faith take over. Let faith take over. It does not matter what it is. God stressed the faith of God's second generation for seven days. And on the seventh day, they had to go round and round seven times. And then the walls came down. He stretched them. He stretched them. The faith of the priests who carried the ark, it was different. All these years, they had carried it on dry ground. But he stressed that faith that day and said, Today it is not dry ground. Today it is flooded river. You will stretch your faith and you will step into the waters and the waters will part before you. You have to stretch today, oh Levites. It is no ordinary ground. I am calling you to step into, I am calling you to step into the flooded Jordan. But Jordan will part before you because you have to obey my voice and the waters will obey my voice. You will no longer go around the mountain. Today you will stretch your word, your faith, and you will speak to the mountain. No more going around. You have gone around this mountain so many times. But the time and the hour has come for this mountain to move. Stretch your faith. For power of God flows only through faith. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is through my Holy Spirit. And he said, Zerubbabel, before you, this mountain shall become a plain. Whatever mountain you are facing. Sisters who face the mountain in their home with their spouses. Men who face that mountain with their home and their wives. Parents who face that mountain with their children. Who are walking in rebellion or in addiction. Workers who face that mountain in their workplace with their team or their manager or their bosses. Pastors who are listening who face that mountain in their ministry. The God of Jacob is here. The God of Jacob is here. The God who came down the ladder and stood beside Jacob. He had nothing. All he had was a stone and a stick. A stone under his feet and a stick beside him. And God said to him, I will watch over you all the days of your life. And I will bring you back to your father's land. Don't be afraid. One day Jacob would say, He stretched me. I went as one man. But I have come back as Mahanim. Two camps. Because the Lord stretched me. Many of you will remember this day. You will say, I stood there as one man, one woman. I came to the church hopeless. I had nothing. Yes, I had a pillow, but that pillow was a stone under my head. Sleepless, restless nights I spent. All I had, nothing. It was like a dead stick in my hand. But one day you will say, the Lord started stretching me that day. Father, touch your children. This is not the work of man. This is the work of God. Touch our children. All your children. These are your children. These are your children. These are your children. Our children, set apart, sanctified, O oh Lord, from now, Lord, set apart, Lord, all our children, Lord, sanctified, set apart, Lord. Oh, Father, touch them. My sister Elsa, Pastor Vijay. 
Oh, touch our children, Lord. They will never fall away. They will never fall away. Our children will never fall away. Oh, Father, seal them with your Holy Spirit. Seal them with your Holy Spirit. Seal them with your Holy Spirit, our little ones, oh Lord. Seal them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Our children, our children will never fall away, Lord. Set apart from birth, Lord. Set apart from birth, Lord. Set deliver this child, Lord. Set a free father. I command that spirit of oppression to leave in Jesus' name. Every power of oppression, every spirit of oppression, leave now in Jesus' name. And I speak rest into your soul. You will not be restless. You will not be disturbed. You will not move back and forth. You will be still and you will have rest. Fill her, Lord. Fill her, Lord. Fill her, Lord. That she will stand in the midst of her unbelieving family like a rock, Lord. Unshakable. Unmovable, Lord. Touch, Father. Touch, Father. Touch people, Lord. There's so many, Lord, who are hungry for your spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, today, whether they are standing here, whether they are around the world today, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Obedient children. Let no rebellion be in our children, Lord. Let the yoke of rebellion be broken in Jesus' name. Let the yoke of rebellion be broken in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name in our children, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. Our children, Lord. Oh, Father. All our children. Today is the day of your children. Today is the day of your children. So do not stop the children from coming to you. By faith we bring our children. All the children standing here. All the children in the mother's womb, the babies. All the children around the world. All the children that you have given us. And I speak to Sammy, my spiritual child in New York. Pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Heal broken hearts. So much of pain in the house of God around the world. Broken hearts. Broken homes. But you came to heal the broken hearted Lord. Let them stretch their faith and touch the hem of your robe. Let the healing words you flow, Lord. Let them be made whole, Father. Broken people cannot work. Broken people cannot function. Only people who are made whole. Oh, Lord, they need a touch. They need a touch from you today, Father. There's a brother, Lord, listening in UAE. There's a brother, Lord. You're reminding me there's a brother, Lord, in UAE, listening. He lost his wife. He lost all his children after he came to the Lord. He's alone. He's lonely and he's brokenhearted. But today the Lord says, I'm touching you. I'm touching you. Be healed. Brother Qureshi, be healed. 
be healed in Jesus name be made whole in Jesus name don't grieve over the family you have lost they are not lost they are safe where death can never touch them again you be healed you be made whole for you have work to do for me on earth She's been in that bed for years and years. I speak to you. I speak to you. God in Portugal, I speak to you. The Lord sees your heart. You think it's time for you to go. It is not yet time for you to go. It's not time for you to go. My work for you on earth is not finished says the Lord. You are over 100. You are 105 106 years old. You've been praying non-stop in the spirit for years and you think it is time for you to go. It's not over. God says I have very few prayer warriors who pray like you. I cannot release you. I cannot release you. You are a warrior in my kingdom. I cannot release you. Bruce Campora stand strong I need you in this hour for a time and a season like this for a time and a season like this I picked you and I separated you stand strong stretch 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 for the son of righteousness is here in our midst with healing under his wings stretch you need a touch in your body you need a touch in your mind you need a touch in your home you need a touch in your workplace the zeal of the lord will perform it come to him weak helpless fall at his feet like jairus and say lord come you thought it was dead god says no it is not it was just asleep it is not dead it is just asleep and he will speak one word into your life wake up some of you have received gifts in the past you have forgotten you have forgotten you think it is gone away god says no no gift i have given do i take back it is still there in your spirit it is just fallen asleep today i am waking it up today i am waking it up your gift will come back but use it stretch it for the glory of the king glory is yours lord the power is yours oh lord the people are yours oh lord the children are yours oh lord and we just stand in your house and we give you the praise the glory the honor and i continue to speak over all your children all your children shall be taught of the lord and great shall be their peace they'll be delivered they are delivered and they are set free to serve you 
called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to declare your praises. Our children will be a peculiar children. Set apart for God. Bring Pranit's Lord. His Lord is a sportsman. And he's got the injury which sports people never want in their life. But I pray, Lord, that you would touch. 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 Heal. Heal. You knit him together in his mother's womb. You can knit him together once again. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. The doctors say you may not play again. But God cancels that report. You will play again. You will play again. You stretch your faith, God says, after this injury, you will play better than before. God does not restore you to your older state. He makes you better than before. That was the report in the wedding at Kana. You kept the best for the end. We pray for Peter. He's at the crossroad of his life. He needs help. He needs favor. He needs direction. Touch him. Touch him. And bless him. And be with him. Go before him. Let every crooked path be made straight. Let every valley be filled. Let every exalted mountain be brought low. Let the Prince of Glory go through his life. Is anointed for this purpose. Bless him, Lord. Thank you. Can we sing again? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. It's the midday hour now. We just want to thank you. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. I pray, Father. We will walk in faith. We will keep stretching our faith. Believing for great things from our God. So that the name of the King may be glorified in our lives. And in our midst. Anoint your children Lord. Anoint them. When they go back home, they will go with that anointing in their lives. And their unbelieving parents or brothers and sisters, relatives will be able to see the difference difference that they came to a place called here now you are sending them to a place called sent and you will meet them at a place called there and others will be blessed through our lives that's the promise I will bless you and I will make you a blessing that's my prayer for all your children here and everywhere blessed to be a blessing to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.